Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, I'm Jim Campbell and welcome to Fantasy Five Aside on Football Ramble Daily. My guest today is a founding member of the Ivan Novello winning Mercury Music Prize nominated band The Maccabees, the man who scored the recent documentary The Edge, the story of the England cricket team's meteoric rise to being number one in the world and their subsequent fall, who runs the Yala record label and is a co-host of the phenomenally popular BBC Sounds cricket podcast, Tailenders. Welcome Felix White. Yes, Jim. How you doing, mate? How are you, mate? I'm good. Do you mind if I drink tea while we do no, this? No, absolutely not. I want you to be hydrated and warm good. at the same time. I will be that. It's my default setting. Good. Well, the tea's just going to top that up then, oh, isn't it? And that's yeah. that's nice. So um, I just want to get straight into this, Felix. I'm sure people ask you this every single day. Yes. But you've gone from being a musician to a cricket pundit. How does that happen? I don't know. I don't know how that happens. I think, I mean, who are we all anyway? <laughs> You know what I mean? That's how I feel about it quite often. Like, I definitely feel a bit more existential about things in general this year. Um, How did that happen? In short, I've always loved cricket and football. Mm. But um, I've been especially obsessive. I'd be obsessive about cricket and I've always loved football, but I've always loved Fulham Football Club more than I love football. Right. And I don't know whether a lot of football fans will sort of associate with that, but quite often I I feel a deeper love or Fulham than I do the yeah, actual game. I think that's Whereas with cricket, pretty normal. It, that's pretty normal, isn't it? Where with cricket, I feel like if England just get beat by New Zealand like they did the other day, it doesn't really bother me that much. I don't get yeah. the kick. I'm just a bit more 
you, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, a, the it's a funny thing with game. cricket, isn't it? Do you think it's the sort of it's the scale of cricket? Everything's bigger, isn't it? The game is longer, yes. goes on for days, and yes. it's counties rather it than towns be. and cities. Yeah. And also, people always, people often say like it's brilliant going to the cricket. You know, you can you can drink and just hang out with your mates, and the, you know, there's loads of food there and stuff. And it's very rare that anyone mentions cricket. Yes, you know, in the reasons oh, to in, see cricket. Totally. Well, I think people feel. But the reason you're right, what you just said, but I think the reasons that people don't feel as partisan about cricket is because everyone that loves it is in an endless fix of paranoia about um, the game becoming extinct. Yes. So we all feel like we have to protect it. Whereas <laughs> football has a bit more of a, there's a bit, there's much more of a, Pompous it's almost the opposite. To, to you know what I mean? Because it? we know football's fine, but it's it, almost now like it will evolve into something. Yeah, exactly. Football becomes football. something that isn't even football. Exactly yeah. right. Um, but to answer your question initially, how did that happen? I was always in love with cricket. So it would be from being a kid. It used to be on television, obviously, like mm. you know BBC or Channel Four. So I used to be transfixed by cricket. Um, and even when I was learning guitar, watch cricket, learning guitar, we went on tour. Cricket, what the Maccabees had, 15-year career, we were going around the world. Cricket is always happening somewhere. Mm. And if you're asleep on a bus in Birmingham at six in the morning, can't sleep, there's a test match happening. It's just this constant um, uh, gravity to it. The yeah. same as Fulham Football Club, check for, you know, on tour, check Fulham scores, you feel yeah. a bit, oh God, done 3-1. Also, maybe a little bit of connection to, to home. Right, exactly you that. Are. Exactly that. So that's how, how it lived with me. And then when the Maccabees did split a couple of years ago, I wrote a. The first thing that sprung to mind is that I had met, I'd met a um, an ex cricketer called Kyle Hogg because he was when we were doing a gig once he was just loading beers in and out of the fridge in a dressing room, and, I, and as he came close to me, I was like, "Sorry, are you are you Kyle Hogg, the Lancashire bowler?" And he just won. Uh, played a season for Lancashire the year before yeah. and his back had gone and he'd had to retire immediately and start new work and he oh. loved music and so he was repping. Wow. Having been like, the high, I'm talking, he would have been um, uh, uh, the equivalent of Abrahams or something, you know, he's that was that high quality just on the fringe of an England team sort of player and he was suddenly working. So like the opposite a, of you almost. <laughs> well, exactly. So when the band split up, my brain just went straight to him and thought, I felt an affinity of what he's experiencing, not that I was going to become a rep in a band, but I ended up writing this big, long piece, which was a, in a, a sense of sort of catharsis to it, where I ended up meeting like 15 different cricketers who had done things like become firemen or like reps or invented shoes. And then lots of big like, people like Andrew Flintoff, that we know who's mm. become a celebrity in a different realm since about life after the game. So that was what happened. And then we began tail enders off the back of that with, um, Greg James and Jimmy Anderson and that's just had its own a life of its own really it's great it's, it's really interesting and I guess it shows the, the sort of power of new media and how it's, it is very unpredictable I, I think are we going to get like some hugely popular block party lacrosse themed YouTube channel <laughs> next who knows maybe maybe you'll uh, be I would a trailblazer I recommend it as um, you know what I mean as a template for mm. life <laughs> I don't know if I'd recommend it. Yeah, it seems an odd plan. But I think, as you know, like you just choose what you love doing and you find a way to make that work. Yes. And that's kind of, you know, I'm in the throes of that. Here we both are. Exactly. In our ridiculous lives. Yeah, exactly. It's all good. So if we can move on to football. Um, so you're, you're a Fulham fan, yes. as, as you've said, and obviously you've picked your your fantasy five aside team I today. Have. They're um, terrible. They they are I they are terrible. Yeah, yeah, I can confirm that, having seen it in advance. But I, I'm interested. Well, with no in disrespect, that. sorry to them, because they are all professional footballers, with, with uh, exception of one. But they um, 
I haven't set this team up to win games of football. No. What what is the what's the thinking? I, w- I wonder what where you see yourself in the team as well. What sort of player you well, are within I this think group? That's exact. That's a pertinent question because I do see myself in this team. <laughs> so the answer's in the question, really. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, we're going to st- we're going to start with your goalkeeper. Yeah. Um. It's a great one. We could probably do the whole show about this man. It's Neville Southall. Yeah. I mean, what what is there to say about Neville? I mean, so I imagine much. you talk. There's so much to say. I imagine you often talk about Neville. You're on the ramble. Do you yes, tackle yeah. He, he, he he pops in here and there because, well, I think for, uh, to begin with Neville, I could have picked any. A lot of my references are going to come from the '90s because that's when yeah, my formative absolutely. years are, and they're still tattooed in my brain. And I always remember Neville Southall um, winning the FA Cup final against all the odds when they beat Man United. In that, that might be 95 or 96. I might, is that my right in saying that? Uh, yes, I think they won it in 95 um, with was a Paul Ride out header. Yes. Paul Ride out header. Yeah, 95 in or 96. In my head, Daniel Mccatchy scored. But anyway, I, I, I remember that I, joyously because that was right in that time when if Man United got beat ever, you felt this just surge of joy. Yes. You know what I mean, mm. and I still well, have. It, you still feel it though, don't it's you? Interesting it's interesting because it's because I was thinking about myself on that, and when um, Sheffield United the other day, when they were two 0 up and United pulled it back to three two in five minutes, I felt that sickening disgust yeah. of that you would feel towards Ferguson's teams, a bit like um, in in wrestling when <laughs> when the bad guys would hit someone over the head with a chair and yeah. win unfairly. It was ex- it's exactly the same feeling, and mm. it's interesting that that residue still exists even with the modern United team that have nothing to do with it and are really struggling. Yeah, and in fact are stuck in the shadow of it, which is actually quite a. It, that's as, interesting in itself, isn't it? Yeah, because it's I suppose it's those those very years that are actually haunting them right now, which just you know gives me a little extra bit, bit of spice for the old Schadenfreude. Absolutely. Surely at some point it will just become normal, but it does still feel like, and any Man United fans are listening, especially younger ones, might think it's a bit annoying and people talk about this a lot, but it's it's more a credit to how good they were in the 90s. Is, well, they were just untouchable. Well. And also it's interesting because being my age, and I presume your age, I presume similar roughly ages, um, I would have, um, yeah, the way I felt about Liverpool, so I missed all of Liverpool's yes. successful years, and I'd have people that are 10 years older than me and they would still have this sort of like real want for Liverpool to fail, even mm. when they were finishing eighth. Yes. With Roy Evans, wasn't enough, which was I never it? understood. Yeah. And now I'm starting to engage with what that actually is. That yeah. never leaves you. But anyway, I'm sort of Neville Southall. We need Absolutely to get back fine. to Neville Southall. Absolutely fine, we do. So, um, and a really interesting thing about Neville Southall, obviously he was remembered for being an incredible shot stopper, right. rightly so. Yeah. And apparently a big reason for that was that the youth side he played for was so bad that he would regularly just spend the entire game like facing shots. Is that which right? I find hilarious. Because he he's a real interesting character, isn't he? He's a, yeah. Because he, he came to professional football, as I think, I suppose late by today's standards, but he had another couple of jobs before he was a footballer, basically. He was, right. a, he was a bin man. And yeah. his book is even called The Bin Man Chronicles. And he's... Um, He's a very brash character, isn't he? And did, so did, when you say he came to football late, I don't know how. When did he come to football? Was he was he playing? As I mean, a teenager? professional football. Yeah, right, I mean, he was playing. He was always playing from a young age. But right. actually, in terms of signing yeah. a professional contract, it's it, it's just weird to think of anyone that had such a long career having another job, isn't it? But that's Absolutely. just the generation we're in, I suppose. But yeah, he. Um, when you mentioned the Man United thing, there, I thought you were going. You were talking about something that happened in the in the eighties. Got a little bit mixed up in my head. There was a charity shield game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, between Everton and I think Man United actually right. and there were tabloid rumours doing the rounds that uh, he'd had an affair 
Neville and, Southall. Yeah. And after the uh, after the game, he he pulled off his goalkeeper shirt to reveal a T-shirt that said, "I love my wife." See, this is and it's not a denial, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> That is so true. He later did admit that he'd had general oh, affairs. Very political. Oh, so yeah. he was. He so. Oh, right. It was admission, if anything. I suppose by accident, it sort of was, wasn't it? See, that's it's really interesting. You said that because that makes a lot of sense. Because if you took that phrase, "I love my wife," and you t- were told that Neville Southall tweeted that out an hour ago, you'd believe it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. From the messages on his timeline, the Twitter and thing's amazing. That's isn't it? the reason he's in my, on my team, really, because. I was just saying to people on air, phones are like such stressful things now and I do mm. find myself going on Twitter and Instagram and scrolling without even having made the decision to do so mm-hmm. and then putting it down and feeling rough about life for no reason. <laughs> but the one little seed of joy which keeps me on Twitter is Neville Southall. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the beautiful stuff that comes out of there. I mean, you might know more than me. Has he always been a sort of progressive thinking? Like, where where is that reinvention of his character? Because I never sort of had him down as that. As yeah, I, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I don't really know if he's always been like that because he's always, apart from the odd sort of story of him falling out with people, because he's apparently quite shy but also quite grumpy, right. which is a really interesting combination. I don't yes. think I really know anybody like that. Yep. So um, I have no idea. But he seems to have genuinely made a lot of effort to sort of become very understanding and and, and liberal and it's, yeah. it's, it's brilliant to watch because if, if, those, if any of you don't know what he does is he, he hands over his Twitter feed to people from marginalised groups so they can explain what they're about on a large platform and it, and he is very open minded with it I mean he got a lot of um, a lot of people laughing at him because one of the, one of the groups he gave it over to gave it over to were the, the those adult baby people the, the adults that like to oh, dress right. up and pretend they're babies. Did and he? I think, like, a lot of people laughed at him for that. And obviously, you know... Sorry, I'm not it. No, it's, just, it's, a, it's an it's undoubtedly bizarre, unusual it? thing, yeah. isn't it? But fair play to him. If you're going to open it up to everyone, totally. open it up to everyone. Absolutely. And he's done that. And to have an understanding outside of this little, like, narcissistic, narrowed thing of your world that you can open it up, I think it's beautiful. But so I guess, like, basically, to dovetail, the reason he's in this team is because he's the master of reinvention. Yes, and you and he talks about me being a musician and a cricketer. And a, there's some, and I think there's something in that that we're never just one thing, and you're always moving to the next. Yeah, and I think he's the king of it. He is. Should we should we talk about his skeleton tweets? Oh, do, <laughs> do you, you remember? Have to tell me about it. Oh, okay. So this is. I think this is where it really started to become like a sort of a thing on Twitter. <laughs> even if you don't know anything about football, yeah. Neville Southall is a must follow. So yeah. out of nowhere, he tweeted one day. I love the thought of recycled skeletons. <laughs> Imagine walking down your street and all your dead relatives were lampposts. Brilliant. Right, quickly followed that up with, wouldn't it be great if all names of towns were put up in skeletons on entrance to the town? Agreed. Art for art's sake. <laughs> Same tweet. <laughs> Fascinating, isn't it? And he went, at, at this point, it's worth noting as well that he's teetotal, which is surprising right. given how the teats like the teats, tweets like this come up at late night quite often. And he's always been teetotal because in that same cup final against... Man United, I remember his post-match interview stayed in my brain forever. I'm saying, will you ever drink the guys? He said, I don't think so. <laughs> and that just stayed with me as grumpy. a kid. Like that, yeah. That, he just won the FA Cup. This fascinating man yeah. has won the FA Cup. And he's not going to drink. Anyway, 
but uh, this this is amazing. So Keep going. Um, he, he continued, imagine skeletons handlebars on your motorbike made from arms. Here changes in braking so easy and fun. I don't really know what that last sentence means. But so at this point, <laughs> the, the internet's exploding, going, yeah. why is Big Nev talking about skeletons so much? <laughs> and he sort of reveals what he was doing here. Tory's new policy, save money on burials. Make right. your nan's skeleton into a coffee table <laughs> and your uncle into a lamp. Saving the country money. Why, why nan and uncle? Again, like it's... There's just so like much a, to delve into yeah, here. It doesn't even finish there as well because he, he weirdly he he then introduced a crow and a jackdaw as these these characters. He's moved sure. on from skeletons and sure. says a crow and a jackdaw sitting on the roof of Goodison. One says to the other, "Wasting our time here." Tories have already shit on these people. Um, and then later, imagine two skeletons wearing a number ten wearing number ten shirts. Too far even for me, right? So it's like <laughs> it's it's so bizarre, but. He was asked about this later and he said uh, that that all started because he was asked at a function for funeral. He was basically speaking of function for funeral directors in Croydon, which is a strange booking, isn't it? I don't know why that's happened. And he said, I thought, what the fuck do I say? I started talking about skeletons and it was a funny night. I said, maybe we could replace lampstands with skeletons. It'd be nice to have your uncle sat there in the lounge as a coffee table. So he's just taken it to Twitter with no context. Right. So that, yeah, in the frame of that night, that was like obviously went down really well. And he thought, OK, I'm just going to take that. Yeah, isolated line. Yeah, with put no this context. Out into the world. Yeah. yeah, and turn it into some sort of some sort of satire, which, to be honest, he did because it worked, uh, you know, worked very not, well for him. Do you know what? It's not it's not far off as mythical as Eric Cantona saying when the seagulls are on the da da da, it's because they assume they'll be thrown inside or whatever that yeah. is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's up there with that. It, it but, is, but it, you're, you're right. It's it's sort of. It doesn't quite have that status, but I feel it's up there. I think it's better, if yeah, anything. It's always up there. Obviously, we talked about this on the Ramble, but um, Louisa Haas' tweet about J.K. Rowling. Yes, yeah. That turned out to be... one of my favourite things ever. I retweeted that. It's brilliant, isn't it? It turned out to be... he was, He's doing some sort of reading initiative with children. I should stop ruining these things with context, really. But um, yeah, so the he more... just tweeted, didn't he, randomly, just one morning... Just JK around and say, "Can I?" Was it even direct? Wasn't it? Does anyone know how to get in touch with JK around? I think it was a direct. Uh, anyway, love it. Yeah, fair play. Fulham legend, actually, Lucy Hart. Yeah, he, he was very good for Fulham. Before his book re- writing days. Yeah. Um, so this is. We'll move on from Neville South so, yeah, very quickly, that, but you can um, talk about that forever, couldn't you? Exactly. There is a this really interesting thing I found about him, which just shows you Tell how me. different football is now to how it was then. Uh, in in the nineteen eighty nine ninety season, he was told that he would need um, back surgery that mm-hmm. would keep him out for eight months. Right. Uh, and obviously that's a long time. Um, yeah. So it, he was he didn't want to do that. So he found a back specialist who told him that he just had a bad back, and then eventually it corrected itself. So I mean I don't know how eventually, but that's like you would ne- you would never get away with that now. He found some. Who told him what he wanted to hear? Yeah, and some, he kept on playing. Some Doctor Nick Riviera style, right? Back specialist, yeah, and yeah. apparently just sorted itself sorted itself out. He's a big man; he can probably take it. So, well, he's, yeah, he is definitely a big unit, isn't he? Abso- yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was even as a player. Yeah, like it would he seem was. absurd now for yeah, a, yeah. a man that big to be playing. It would to be playing football, yeah. But he, it was like he could move through the air like a, I don't know, like a huge graceful salmon. So he was we're gonna a fantastic move on. goalkeeper. Though. Yeah, he was, and that I don't know if that does get overlooked actually because yeah, people yeah. do know that he was brilliant. And in my team, I think he is probably he might be, with no disrespect, the only world class footballer in his era in in my squad. I think there's one other you'd make the case for, but oh um, no, there is another. Yeah, but you, I take you, that back. He, he's certainly there is another. There's maybe two, two others, but yeah. 
those two are up there. And so he did have the chance to play at a high level. Uh, I mean, obviously he won league titles and stuff with Everton, so that's that's no disrespect for that period. But he had the chance to play for Man United, mm-hmm. basically under Ferguson. But uh, apparently it was really rude on the phone. So Ferguson signed Peter Schmeichel instead. Right. Mad, absolutely mad. So <laughs> your next pick is yeah. a name that I never expected to hear on this show. It's Carlton Palmer, Felix. Carlton Palmer. How has this happened? Okay, well, I've, okay, I've, I've, I started with who I definitely needed in my team, and I worked backwards. Yeah. And I can, as I can only have two Fulham players, it was a bit stretched, and I just ended up thinking in five side football, you need a strong holding player who can yeah. also um, <laughs> bring the ball forward, spray it. You know what I mean? You need a modern Makaleli style <laughs> footballer. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Who can just ha- just do, I know what you mean, do three things at once. I don't know what you, if, you, if this thought, is related to Carlton Palmer in any is, way. Who is, if you let me finish, who is the archetype sitting midfielder mm. of the glory is of football? Mr. Carlton Palmer. That is certainly and the only Actually, I'll, I'll give you the, re- the real reason I put him in is because um, the Graham Taylor documentary, Impossible Job, yes. is the, the that might be the greatest film ever made. It is brilliant. Um, of which there are like me and a sort of handful of friends quote it more often than we would do The Office or Spinal Tap or mm. anything like that. There are so many lines that just come uh, are relevant to a lot of things in life. You've cost me my job there. You cost, yeah, I'm a meter, I'm a meter. Or there's a, there's a, um, a great bit when, um, so I'm digressing for a second, Sorry. but there's a great bit where he, uh, <laughs> I can't remember what happens, but something's gone wrong as everything did in that campaign and they've, and, They've gone 2-0 down against Norway or something. And he's just talking to Phil Neal and I thought Laurie McEnemy. McEnemy, yeah. McEnemy, sort of as a two. And they just repeat everything he says. And he just says, um, he's trying to put a positive spin on everything. Graham Taylor says, now now this is a test, isn't it? This is a real test. And they repeat back, it's a real test, boss, yeah. <laughs> and I, that phrase just pops into my head. In anything in life yeah, where, you know, I might be hung over and have to do something or... Um, whatever it might be, you just pinch your nose and go, now this is a test, isn't it? Anyway, um, so the reason Carlton's in actually is because another line in that is I don't know what's happened in the game for the context, but um, there's a moment when it keeps cutting. Graham Taylor saying in, in the practices before whatever it is, the Sweden game or something, like we do not want to be caught quick break. And then the camera cuts back to like Colin Palmer <laughs> running a million miles an hour back towards his own goal. And then um, like he shouted, Carlton, Carlton. And so the only reason really Carlton's in is for in real life, I just want to shout, Carlton. <laughs> and you want, Carlton! you want to see that happen with those rangy legs. I want to be able to do that. Yeah. And I feel like this team will get caught quick break. Very much so. And I, there's a great quote about Carlton Palmer from from Dave Jones, who, who managed him at Southampton, which is, he covers every blade of grass out there, but that's only because his first touch is so crap. <laughs> oh, no, don't, I don't love him. It's funny. Like, he's, a, he's, a good football, he's a good footballer, played for England. I mean, he, he got 18 caps for England, actually. It was, Graham Taylor days were a bit unusual, yeah, but I mean, he's actually perhaps a little bit more maligned than he, than he should be. But the Have thing- you seen him on Celebrity... Um- not Masterchef. Uh, what was the one? Come Dine With Me. No, he won it though, didn't he? I know that. He, they did a football Come Dine With Me, which is the best thing you will ever Why see. Why don't I know about Colton this? Colton Palmer, John Fashionu, Neil Ruddock and Frank Worthington, I want to say, the old wow. Worthington 70s, where they all have to cook each other meals. Honestly, tonight, you'll go and watch it. Yeah. It's the best television you'll ever see and your heart will melt for Colton Palmer, who is the only person who makes a genuine effort 
Yeah. I'm going to learn how to actually cook. Does Neil Ruddock just like burn a steak? It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's, I mean, it's, yeah, minute for minute, like punch for punch, it's up there with the impossible job. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So we're going to move on to the other world-class player uh, in, in, in your team. Do you want to tell me who it is? Well, you're going to have to tell me which one you think the world-class player is. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I All right, know. fair enough. Uh, it's Chris Waddle. Yeah. All right, so Chris Waddle. Um, this is May... Yeah, this, no, there's, there's, there's another footballing reason pick, but this is one of two actual football reason pickers. When I was growing up watching football, um, the most iconic thing in my has nothing to do with Fulham. It's the season when Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday played each other in the FA Cup semi-final mm. and the other one was Spurs-Arsenal. So you had these two yes. derbies and they were both like fantastic teams, very old school football teams. And there's particularly United-Wednesday derby was amazing because obviously the blue and red stripes, yeah. it looked like... It looked like a derby. It right? looked like How a derby and it looked like, you know, like you're playing Subutio or whatever. It, it kind of yeah. all like, it was really sort of had a sort of real like sort of boys own like Roy Rovers quality to it. Yeah. I feel you know like I mean? there's an argument it, that there should be special derby kits totally, that are sort of the opposite in totally, some way. Totally. It was really that like that very clear division, but that's the two sides of Sheffield playing each other. And it's very because Alan Court would play up up front for Sheffield United, he had this long beard. Mm. But Chris Waddle, um, just aesthetically, with his shirt pulled really long and the way he'd hold his shirt. Yeah. You know, you know what yeah. I mean? He'd hold it in his hand. And if, if I might be projecting on him, but his shirt it'd be a long sleeve shirt holding it in his hands as he was sort of like shimmying past people, shirt untucked. And then I think maybe his socks might have been rolled down so you can see his shin pads. Yeah, no, he was he was very much that sort of languid style player, wasn't he? The mullet as well, which he obviously didn't have the whole time, but that that The mullet was just that. before that. But he was 6'2", wasn't he? And he was a sort yeah. of tricky, pacey player. And actually it was... met, I've actually met him years later to tell him how great, um, when we were supporting Kasabian, he came to see Kasabian years ago, <laughs> and a lovely like um, hour of him. 
where where he was um, our monitor engineer was a Bradford City fan, and he yeah. spent his latter years at Bradford City. Yeah, he became a bit of a legend there, didn't he? Yeah, um, he was. And this, this our, our monitor engineer, one edgy, wanted to ask him at Brad, Bradford years, and his face just lit up, and he talked about you know what was going through his head when he lobbed X, Y, and Z. That's and, great. But but he's in my head. He he's in my team because he's in any team of mine. Just because that's still how I feel when I imagine myself you know, projecting as an eight-year-old kid of what football yeah. I'm going to be, that, it, it doesn't get any better than that. That's nice. Do you know what I mean? Double, and double step over, go back the same way as yeah. your game. He, he was very good at a lot, like beating a man really slowly, which is a weird right. thing to see. You don't necessarily right. see that so much now because I guess the game and the pace of the game has changed. So he, um, we will we will come on to the music career because that's that's inevitable. You can't really talk about Chris Wilder without talking even, about it. I haven't even it hasn't come packed into my thinking. But we, really, we should do that. We, we shall. Um, so <coughs> he um, obviously he, in in 1990. Uh, he, he played in the semi-final against West Germany. Oh, he he? Uh, <laughs> well, he he hit the post in extra time, and you think, had that gone in, he'd be remembered for such a different. Extra, yeah, well, I didn't, didn't even it, well exactly, because some other thing happened in that game yeah. that over, overshadowed it, and obviously that was, of course, him in missing the penalty, as he would pronounce it, yeah. um, in the in the shootout, and he hit the ball over the bar. Um, and he did you do you know what he blamed that on? Gone. He was probably joking, but he blamed it on a chance meeting with Yuri Geller and Michael Jackson prior to the tournament. Right. Um, it's been reported that, that Geller's passing words to Waddle were, the higher you go, the harder you fall. And um, how have they met? Sorry, How are Yuri again. Geller, Michael Jackson and Chris Waddle hanging out? Yuri Geller said that to Waddle. Yes. The he higher said, you go, the harder you fall. Yeah. Which it and sounds he wasn't like, literally talking about the pen where the pen should go. I, I don't know if it's ever worth... Analyzing what Yuri Geller says right. in too much depth. Yeah, um, but but that he blamed he blamed her, and the suggestion being that that was sort of in the back of his head. So, or maybe it was some sort of curse. Oh, he I don't cursed know him. because okay. um, Yuri Geller then claimed credit for um, David Seaman saving a penalty against Gary McAllister in Euro '96. <laughs> I think he even claimed he was in a hel- helicopter <laughs> oh, above yeah, Wembley. Weird, yeah. weird man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just fascinated by how that happened. Chris Chris Waddle doesn't seem to have uh, expanded on the fact why he he had to bump into Michael Jackson. Maybe it was his his music career because um, is Diamond Lights ever anything that you you put on? I was just a little bit. <laughs> I was a little bit young for Diamond Lights. I, 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 Do you know the song? Of course, yeah. My memory of Diamond Lights really is that because obviously it that was like pre our generation Waddle and Hoddle. So they almost seemed like sort of ghosts of the people we yes, knew. Yes, that's very you true. You know what I mean? So when you look back on it, it was like seeing, it's like seeing a photo of your parents <laughs> and you can't believe that's actually them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they, they might, still don't look young. It's impossible. Somehow you just see the, exactly. the adult within them. Exactly. They're, so, they're, they're people that are now older, a photo of them. Yeah. So Diamond Lights is a... Come on, tell me about... Yeah. It's, a, it's a, such a strange song because when you... When you think of footballers doing songs, they're, they're generally, te- well, they're always terrible, but they tend one? to be, my favourite one would be, if I can have World in Motion because of the John Barnes rap, but yeah. I'm not sure I should be allowed that, yeah. really. Um, might, might even Actually, you know what? It is Diamond Lights because it's so strange. It sounds like a song Tears for Fears decided, you know what? 
actually, we don't need this on the album. It's right. a bit bland, this one. We'll just, yeah, we'll just yeah. get this. It's like a real sort of chugging, brooding, like 80s pop song. It's not It's not a positive song. Sure. It's a very moody, it's not a slightly song. gothic song. Either, is it? It's no football reference. No. Yeah. And also, it's referred to as, they're referred to as Hoddle and Waddle with that, because yeah. it rhymed, obviously. But they were yeah. actually they actually released it as Glenn and Chris, which doesn't, that oh, doesn't sound like the, the most. Yeah. Doesn't wow. sound like the most kind of appealing. <laughs> Charles and Eddie, I think yeah, they exactly. were going for. <laughs> but he also did a song with Basil Bolly as well. You aware of that? No. He did a rap song when he went to Marseille with Basil Bolly called We've Got the Feeling and he, he uh, Basil Bolly raps in French um, Chris Waddle raps in f- English with a French accent and it is it's, do you remember when Steve he McLaren in, did oh, that? Oh he rapped with a French accent oh he's like Joe Barton. Yeah or, or Steve McLaren when he did that sort of Dutch accent um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, press conference incredibly. I have to hear that. What's that song called? It's again? called um, We've Got the Feeling we got and the feeling. You will have the feeling after watching it. Uh, what that <laughs> feeling is, I cannot um, guarantee. So um, we're going to move on okay. to a player, probably, probably best. which uh, who, I'm, I'm fascinated by this inclusion. I'm not even sure how to say this guy's name. It's a- Andreas Stolchers. I think that's a valiant effort of it. I think that probably is how you how you pronounce it as well. So do you, want, do you want me to start at the beginning with him? Yes, please. So when we like, he was part of the Fulham team that when. Actually, no, it wouldn't be the first team that got large invested in because Blackburn, obviously, in the 90s. But one of the things that becoming fashionable for people investing in football was Alfie bought Fulham and we just mm. started getting all these players from everywhere. Um, like people like Chris Coleman and Dirk Lehman. But then Andre Solch was one of like 50 players that turned up within a, within two years. Right. Who was um, just not, you know, just not a League Two footballer or no Zedvich, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just but, like... He was just part of that squad and he played a bit and he was a good footballer anyway. And so he became, I was going to Fulham all the time, like away. It was right in uh, like vortex of me being a 15 year old and stuff. So he was, you know, like a bit, you know, I, I'd say his name, even though I can't pronounce it like three or four times a week. Years later, I was asked to play for Fulham right when the Maccabees had just put out our last record, which had been a number one record, it was right in the peak of things happening. Mm. I was asked to play for Fulham in a charity game and they knew I was a big fan. So they said, it's going to be Fulham legends against a kind of celebrity charity eleven. But we think that you, we know how much you love it. So you're in the Fulham team. <laughs> so you've played for Fulham. I have. That's incredible. Fulham, but uh, so I was in, I was the only non-footballer in this team which was literally was full of um, all my favourite Fulham players. So I had Gordon Davies, a high score of Fulham history, like Kit Simons, Chris Coleman, Louis Sahar. Wow. Um, who else was in that so the, team? So the premise Dave of this Besson podcast has actually happened to you. Exactly that's that. That's quite weird. Exactly that. And that's what we're leading to because... I, so, and I can let me tell you in real life, the premise of the podcast is not actually that fun a thing. Because <laughs> I said yes to it being like, I would, I know that would be, you know, of course I'll do that. Until I was sat in the dressing room with them. And it's actually kind of a nightmare. Right. Because cause I love these people and they're being sweet to me, but it's an alpha zone. Yes. And also you're there room. as very much the outsider, right? Very much the outsider. And they all had a lot of in-jokes, hadn't seen each other for five years, all that kind of thing. Like banter. It was... Deeply surreal. And the dressing rooms at Craven Cottage are quite, they're not bigger than this room. Right. I'm not even joking you. Blimey. So there was a lot of things I hadn't factored into the equation and being how small the dressing room would be, how just out of my depth I was going to feel, how it wasn't really going to be banter, how I was going to actually have to play football having not played football since I was dropped from like the 
under 11s full team <laughs> because I couldn't hack it. Mm. Play couldn't hack Fulham. the banter even then. Couldn't see Alphas in the under 11 dressing room, I believe. Uh, but they were all in there. They were like, you know, and it's also footballers get naked. Right. With towels and whip each other like indie bands. Well, the Maccabees certainly didn't yeah. do that. So it was a very, very, very different place to be. Yeah. Um, anyway, fast forward. So it's like, we actually, they're actually really lovely, amazing day. So I can't even tell you how out of depth I was on the pitch, being the only Fulham player in that scene. Like, I can't believe, as I'm saying it, I can't even believe it was a real thing. But I got brought on by Simon Morgan, who was my hero. And he was managing. He was trying to be sweet to me. And he said, right, you're going to come on now and just go out there and you're going to be in the front three with um, <laughs> Barry Hales and Paul Pesky Salido. Oh, wow. Like my heroes. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So he's like, go, so go and run them, go and tell them. It's us three. We're in a diamond type thing. Um, <laughs> God, is this real? So I ran on. Um, and the ball came to me quite quickly. And my first touch... Andre Soltres was making a little dart to my right, mm. just on the overlap. And I can still see it now as if it's happening. I just thought, I'm, and I have never attempted this before. Yeah. Never. I stopped the ball and I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm just, I'm just going to dink him. <laughs> I'm just going to dink him up and under. Yeah. I could release him You're basically there. playing FIFA in your head at this point. Yeah, I just thought, well, it just came to me like, I was making that run, but he was just sort of, he was making a run. So there was, uh, it was John Scales, no other, in between... Andre and me mm. and I thought there's, there's no there's no out ball here so I'm just going to dink him up and under the ball went like, it feels like it went it feels like it went miles up in the air and we're just for the listeners we're sitting not even a metre apart mm. time froze and it just landed literally half a metre in front of me John Scales put his foot on the ball and then it was a the, the game actually froze <laughs> And it was a bit like, okay. <laughs> so and gave it away. So I was trying to release Andre Salters. And ever since that day, because I obviously had lots of friends there, like, I yeah. can't believe this is a real thing. Now, when anyone dinks it, chips it, like gets gets the spoon out, as they like to call yeah. it, I get t- loads of texts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so so just to, to clarify again, you, you attempted to dink him through in it and it, the ball barely moved effectively. No, it that, went miles in oh, the air. miles up in the air. Of course, yeah. Hung in the air for a long time, landed literally in front of me. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I it's, haven't done it's it quite since. difficult to even picture, isn't it? It is hard to picture. I, I can picture it um, in your nightmares vividly, but um, it is. And that, that's the reason it starts in my team because I, 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 as a redemptive, like, sort of part of my life, mm. I feel like I still need to either dink, actually dink him through. <laughs> <laughs> or just have an outball option. Yeah. I just want him to come a bit squarer for me next time. You just know what generally, I mean? yeah. Just do me a favour and just come a bit squarer. And, and then we'll, we can we'll put play this right. Keep ball like like um, Paul Bracewell's size did, just <laughs> sideways and backwards. Well, I hope that you get to live that redemption story. Thank you um, very much, Jim. I was very surprised that you chose him because... Um, yeah, come on, he, tell me. Well, he, he basically... He scored twice for Fulham in the first division, as it was then, and uh, then Fulham were promoted. And in the next three seasons, he played ten games for Fulham. So right. you must have you you caught the very slight window of, of him playing there at lot. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, I think he played like twenty five games for Fulham, and obviously most of them were in were in that period um, in it, the first division. 
it was that time when you when we go up and they'd sign a whole new squad type yeah. thing, steamroller teams. Yeah. Mm. Well, and good that you've learned from that, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so moving on to your last actual footballer, yeah. Um, uh, we we got Bobby Zamora. Yes, uh, good good to stay on the Fulham theme as well. Bobby is in because I've never felt more defensive of a footballer. Yeah, than Bobby Zamora was this a, as a Fulham fan. As a Fulham fan, he. He had a really interesting time at Fulham, didn't he? Because he was getting a lot of stick for a while, but he managed to turn it around, which is so rare. Yeah. I mean, we yeah, to talk actual sort of general football, he came to Fulham. I think we just avoided relegation, miraculously, Roy Hodgson. And he played as that sort of um, back-to-goal, hold-the-ball-up, classic centre-forward. So he scored, he would have scored about three or four goals in a whole season when we finished mm. seventh. So he got berated constantly for his goal scoring record but actually he tied the entire side together which is the most successful Fulham team ever yeah and I used to just be in lo- just just so willing him to do well and be in love with him and he used to have such strength back to goal and then he sort of evolved in his three-year career at Fulham must be three maybe four um into refinding that player he was at Brighton mm. where um he could dink yeah, could definitely did, and it would go where he meant it he to could, as he well. Could de- and, the uh, hardest part of the game, exactly. Yeah, but he was, but um, he turned into this really languid goal scoring centre forward the next couple of years, um, which was just beautiful to see. And that that's a great evolution when you're a fan of a team and someone's, but everyone's not like slagging off every week. Yeah, you you kind of you've got their back, and then they turn into one of the greats for that side. It's yeah. really lovely, a vindicating feeling. He was a, an interesting player as well, wasn't he? Because he scored a lot of goals for Brighton, um, uh, but it, but obviously not in the, in the Premier League. And uh, he grew up supporting West Ham. Yeah. And he got a move to Spurs from Brighton, which was seen as a little bit of a gamble. Yeah. And he didn't play that much. He only scored one goal for them, which was to, to knock West Ham out of the League wow, Cup. So that must have been a weird thing for him. But it was one, It was really nice to see him finally find his feet at Fulham. Like he, you know, he, he was looked at for England. He, I think he was called up for England, wasn't he? Perhaps a, a I few think he times. Might have been. And um, I think what 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 his legacy will really be that Europa League run, won't it? Yeah, I think he he, he scored. I, if I remember correctly, I think he scored for West Ham in a playoff final as well. That's right. right. The Premier, yes, the Premier League, and he also a big he, moment for him. He scored. He scored winners in the playoff finals for West Ham in 2005 and QPR in 2014, which right. is pretty amazing. Yeah, that's brilliant. And unfortunately, he left Fulham for QPR, which sort of did slightly dent mm. how we felt about him because he wanted to play with Mark Hughes, who just left the club saying that we weren't ambitious enough. So that was the only thing that was like, that's oh, that, and that's, that that's stung not, actually. That's not worked out well, And you it? know when you're a grown man and football players leaving to go somewhere else shouldn't hurt you. <laughs> yeah, that, all too well. That did hurt. Yeah, I bet it did. So, I, But I guess that was just clarity on how much Bobby had meant to me at his time at Fulham. Yeah. You know, but that stung because it wouldn't sting me that much anymore. Do, uh, do Fulham actually care about QPR? Is it one of those rivalries? Yeah, that... they do. Yeah? Definitely. Yeah, QPR and if, if there is any rivalry... QPR and Brentford are other teams really obviously Chelsea but it's a little bit yeah. because they don't really view us that way no you know what I mean of course um, but yeah QPR was the first first time I'd ever experienced fo- violence oh really fo- football yeah because we'd had it a few times stuck in, and stuff. <laughs> we, I can't was, stand we these were, guys when we got to the <laughs> when we got to the championship I think it was the first time we played them in like a decade and uh, it was terraced at the time and there was a lot of QPR fans in the terraced area mm. and we got pushed 
there was like a ruck and we got pushed onto the pitch. Oof. And I got actually, I remember jumping over the front because I used to stand right at the front, getting pushed over and actually being stood next to um, Rufus Brevitt and him stopping with the ball and him stopping play. Like yeah. really old school, like sort of seven, like felt like yeah. a sort of seventies game of football. And in that very same charity game with Rufus Brevitt, he um, he remembered that and we spoke about that. Wow. So that was a cool... There's, that's there's, amazing. Yeah, that's you keep amazing. ending up on Fulham's pitch in the strangest ways. I do, yeah. So that's the two times I've been on um, pitch at Craven Cottage. Cool. So I'm going to move on from Bobby. So, I mean, what's <laughs> this is a ragtag team. Yeah. What, what's, as player-manager, just just quickly, what... How you how you setting them up? How, how do you think they're gonna they're gonna play? Well, um, it's all running through Colton. Right, he's running the game. Okay, so that's his responsibility. He's bossing. You know, in five aside where it's a bit like lucid people filling yeah. goals. He's very much the sole responsibility in the first half of the pitch. Mm-hmm. He cleans up everything. He distributes, and then I'm sitting just in front of him when I'm on, and I'm just looking to dink it. Yes. I'm just Fair looking enough. to dink. Specifically to uh, to Andres, presumably. But solely to Andres. Yeah. I'm just looking to dink Andres through. Fair enough. So that's the, my only sort of communicative experience on the pitch. Nobody would want to take that and away in, from you. It'd be like when Ronaldo won the World Cup in 2002. Exactly it's like, finally, that. Exactly vindication. That. Yeah, yeah. It's like Leonardo DiCaprio winning an Oscar. Yeah, very much so. so and, then, and then Bobby's Moore and Chris Waddles, just to fill out the question, they're the real players that when we do get into an actual game of football, mm. they're going to pull us out of trouble. And you've got you've got an, the ultimate sort of security blanket in in Big Nev as well because if he's if he has to face a lot of shots he is used to it. So you've got uh, you've got one player left, but as is tradition on Fantasy Five aside, um, that player cannot be a footballer. Um, who have you gone for? I mean, it won't surprise you. It, it, it felt like on brand to pick a cricketer. Yeah, and um, my thinking behind this is um, what one of the things I like about five aside football is that you don't have to be good at everything. Mm. You know what I mean? You can have a couple of skills which you might get found out for in an eleven-side game of football, but you can cut. You need like you don't really have to head of the ball, yeah, all that kind of thing. Um, and it made me think of England cricketers in the nineties because back then, nowadays, modern cricketers kind of have to be good at everything. Like mm. bowlers have to be able to feel properly, and even number eleven batsmen can bat that kind of thing. But there was a beautiful time when, if you were really good at one thing, you could genuinely not have a clue how to do the other two. Mm and still play international level cricket. What a glorious time. What a glorious time. So when I was having visions of playing cricket for England, Phil Tufnell was bowling left arm spin for England and he used to smoke and drink like out in public, but genuinely looked terrified of the ball right. when batting and drop a lot of catches. And I, I watched it on TV thinking, maybe I can play for England. <laughs> and do, uh, But what, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that, in Jess because he's obviously a beautiful bowler yeah. but those kind of traits is what I'm looking for in my side mm. I don't want robotic three-dimensional footballers I want someone that's got um, <laughs> that's got personality is going to be a lot of fun to hang out with and is maybe really good at one thing Yeah, and that's all you need at five side absolutely and without a doubt he, he's got bags and bags of personality I always think physically mostly he looks to me like a mixture of Phil Daniels and Matt Letizier. Oh, well, I, I definitely get the Letizier reference, actually. Um, I've met Phil a few times since, and he's just everything you'd imagine him to be. Mm. Um, Is he one of those people where he's just always Phil Tufnell? You know, it's, it's hard to imagine Danny Dyer being anything than just Danny Dyer all the time. Yeah, I think... I don't know him well enough, but that's definitely the impression... That I got. I, I have it in general with meeting sports people that they are 
cricketers and footballers actually, when you meet them, I don't know if you know, like noticed this, but they're such big people mm. that your hand, when you shake the hand, is often inside their hand. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And it, it does tend to dwarf you. So he, and even Phil, not being a big guy, he was you know bigger than you expected him to be. Mm. Well, that's your team then. So it's, they're quite an eclectic bunch. Um, I think the uh, the post match drinks. Which obviously Big Neville will not be partaking. I think in, drinks. I think Pizza Express after the game is going to yeah, be fun. Very much so. Do, do you know what I mean? I a lot of talk of skeletons. Yeah, and I think there's enough for everyone to sort of get stuck in conversationally with each other for that to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Mm. I don't know between who exactly. Maybe not me and them, but amongst <laughs> themselves. Yeah, happened again. They all know each other. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, Felix, thank you very much for coming down and uh, and uh, taking part in the show. It's been a lot of fun having you on. So, um, yeah, do you want to talk about the Edge, the, uh, the, the documentary that you've um, that you, you've scored. Yeah, so the Edge is um, just a strangely fitting film that I've worked on, in which uh, it documents the England teams of, of about uh, ten years ago. Now they they but they became they were shambles. They became number one team in the world very quickly, and then it sort of fell apart. And it's basically essentially about what is the cost of greatness and was it worth achieving that? Mm. Um, and it's as a sort of subplot, it's about male mental health, how a group of alpha men uh, coexist, how, how like, uh, yeah, how fragile that environment is. And there's no different really to a football team or a band or mm. actually any collection of people are trying to do something. So it, it becomes this sort of, a really fascinating document of just people trying to achieve something. Mm. And I I did the music for it, which was amazing because I've obviously got known these cricketers so well. So for them, they talk so candidly in it and really beautifully actually about their lives. So I tried to make it as cinematic and as high energy and colourful a score as possible. Great. Well, thanks for coming on, Felix. Um, obviously, Tailenders is available on BBC Sounds. Yes, um, correct. And yeah, The Edges, soundtrack to The Edges out now. So um, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks you lot for listening and we'll see you later. This was a Stakhanov production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.